What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA Show. Uh, we just saw the NBA's inaugural uh, in-season tournament play out. It wrapped up on Saturday, so we're going to talk all things in-season tournament today. We're going to touch on the Lakers and LeBron, AD's big performance, um, Halliburton's coming out party with the Pacers, some of the other teams that were involved, and then also just going to talk about the tournament as a whole and how I thought it played out and maybe some areas for improvement that the NBA might look to implement moving forward. But um, with that said, let's get right into it. So I want to start off with the Lakers, obviously, as they uh, won the first in-season tournament over the Pacers, 123-109 to in the game on Saturday night. This was a pretty comfortable win for the Lakers. They never really got out to a majorly large lead. However, um, they were winning pretty much the whole game, and the Pacers did make it a little interesting down the stretch. They cut it down to a one-possession game uh, towards uh, the final five minutes of the fourth quarter, but the Lakers were able to pull away, um, largely due in part to a huge Anthony Davis performance and some vintage uh, LeBron minutes that we really saw throughout this whole tournament. And Going into the tournament, I... I kind of felt like whoever won the Phoenix and Lakers game was going to have a really good shot to win the whole thing. I know Milwaukee and Boston obviously are both strong in the East, but um, I think the fact that that first game was going to be the tougher or maybe the toughest game for either of those teams and getting that one game out of the way, and it felt like it might be a little easier throughout, um, I think worked in their favor. So once the Lakers did knock off the Suns in LA um, to make the uh, semifinals, it did just kind of feel like it, like LeBron was going to take this one home. I mean, just to see him in Las Vegas, in the city that he's rumored to potentially be an owner of the next expansion team once he retires, um, and him on the big stage like that, and it, it's no surprise that he brought home the MVP. He was very deserving. He played great throughout the whole thing. And I know I was a little lower on LeBron after last season, especially in the postseason. He did not shoot the ball well at all, especially from deep in the postseason. And he looked a little bit like he had maybe a step slow. He could play in bursts, but just wasn't consistent against Denver overall. But I'll say this. When he is playing his hardest and he's engaged and he (laughs) wants to put up a big performance, he is still extremely capable. And he's honestly, I mean... If, if you, I know I, I released my top 100 players rankings and I believe I had LeBron 11th coming into the season. I might even have him higher now, which is crazy that you'd move somebody up at almost age 39. <laughs> um, but if you were telling me I had one player to pick going into a big game, I think he's right at the top of that list. I mean, I don't, you, I might probably still pick Jokic, but seriously might consider putting LeBron second on that list. So ranking him that low was really about body of work at this point because he takes nights off. He takes quarters off. We know he takes plays off. He hasn't been as engaged defensively consistently as we've seen throughout the uh, prime of his career, but he's still a damn good defender when he wants to be. He absolutely can control any game offensively. I mean, just taking over fourth quarters, um, (laughs) manipulating the defense, getting guys open looks, all things he's done throughout his career, and he's still doing them as well, if not better, than he's ever done them just because his basketball IQ is just insane at this point. And this year, he's actually changed up his game quite a bit from the past two years, at least, with the Lakers. Um, He's been way more efficient. I mean, if you look at just his shot selection, it's majorly different. So the last two years with the Lakers, he was 32nd percentile and 35th percentile in terms of shots at the rim, like percentage of shots taken at the rim. This year he's 86th percentile. So he's getting to the rim way more often, taking it to the basket more often. Um, In the short mid-range, he was 15th percentile two years ago, 38th percentile last year. He's up to 46th this year. So he's taking shorter mid-range shots than he had in years past. And when you look at the long mid-range, he was in the 90th percentile or higher both of the past two years on those shots, which we know are just not good shot selection in 2023 this year he's only 49th percentile so he's taking way less long mid-range shots he's also taking less threes he's 22nd uh, percentile this year in terms of shots from 
uh, three-point range, and he was 75th and 61st the last two years. Um, and because he's getting to the basket more, he's also getting fouled way more. I know his free throw attempts aren't massively up from last year, but that's because he's just shooting less overall. He actually is averaging a career low in um, field goal attempts, which is pretty crazy. He's almost six less than he took last year, and he's still at 25 points per game. Um, but a lot of that is, like I said, because he's taking to the basket more, taking better shots, been more efficient, getting to the line more than he was. He was 91st percentile this year in terms of um, getting fouled on shot attempts versus only 39 and, and 53 the past two years. So 39th percentile is just crazy low for a guy like LeBron who's made a career off <laughs> getting to the basket, maybe the most unstoppable guy of this whole decade, uh, not just decade, sorry, of this century, his era. Uh, just getting to the basket. So it's just pretty cool to see. I, I'm not going to overplay, though. I, I know everyone's like, oh, my God, the 21st season. He's almost 39. But it is just crazy. We need to put into perspective to a degree and just appreciate how damn good this guy still is. And when he is locked in, he's legitimately up there with anybody in terms of being the best player in the world. The reason he's knocked a little lower for me is just because of consistency. Um, but he needs to take those nights off sometimes just because if he doesn't, then he probably can't be as good at, at his peak when he needs to be. But I say all that to say he's still he's only missed one game this season, so he's been extremely durable. Knock on wood, obviously, on that. But um, it, it's just cool. And it, it was fitting. I mean, <laughs> in Las Vegas, like I said, and you know that he probably really wanted to get this so he could add it to the resume for the GOAT discussion and whatnot um obviously it's pales in comparison to a a real championship or anything like that but still it's cool it's cool that he's gonna he won not only did his team win the first one but he gets the first mvp um even at his age It's, it's 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 cool to see um but i mean maybe the the main reason that they won this game uh was because anthony davis i mean this was it, this game just epitomizes how truly, truly dominant this guy can be in all facets of the game. I mean, he had 41 points on 16 for 24 shooting, 20 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks. He got to the free throw line 13 times. In my opinion, he is the best defender in the world. Um, I think he has the most unique combination of both just elite rim protection, but also versatility. He can guard smaller guys. You can't play him off the court. Um, he can stay with faster players. He also guards other bigs pretty well. And then he's just an absolute monster um, in the paint guarding the rim. And it just really helps that he can be majorly impactful even when he's not having good offensive games. Um, so when he is having great good offensive games like this game, I mean, he, he can look like one of the best players in the world too. This, this is the crazy thing about the Lakers. I mean, they've got two guys that when they're on their A game, like, legit top five guys if not top three guys when they're playing it's just really about consistency and health has been their issues um and on that point of consistency i mean consistency ad this year it's it's been no different he crazy enough he he's having a good year overall around 22 points a game he's got a good field goal percentage in the mid 50s but he has had zero games this season scoring between 19 or 25 points so he's either had 18 or less or 26 or more in every single game and that's kind of <laughs> just how it goes with him these days. Um, so I won't beat the AD thing to death. Obviously, we know he's had his offensive inconsistencies. We know what he can be when he's fully healthy. Um, and we saw that on full display today. So just in terms of the outlook overall for the Lakers, I mean, Reeves is starting to play much, much better. Um, they moved him to the bench, and he's um, just added a spark there. Um I think he's probably better with the ball in his hands. And to start this year, I mean, him playing with LeBron and D'Angelo Russell, he was kind of uh, demoted to like a catch-and-shoot guy just standing in the corner. But we saw last year in the postseason and even on the Olympic team over the summer, um, he's, I mean, this guy's really good with the ball in his hands. He's a good decision-maker, good distributor, good playmaker, good shot creator for himself even. Um and so I think moving him to the bench has been a good move for them by Darvin Ham. And then um, the guy who replaced him, Cam Reddish, I've been a big Cam Reddish hater. Uh, I still am not sure that I, I'm wrong, but uh, he's been he's been doing his best to prove me wrong. Uh, he's been, uh, since moving to the starting lineup, I mean, he's shooting 
40% from three, averaging over a steal and a half. He's been their main point attack defender. I mean, he's getting the the minutes that like Vanderbilt was getting last year for them down the stretch and in the postseason. Um, and he's having by far his best offensive and defensive season from an advanced metric standpoint. We'll see if it's sustainable. I still think he is generally a low IQ player. I think that he's got defensive, like a good defensive skill set, but he hasn't put it all together quite yet. He's been wildly inefficient and just inconsistent from three-point range throughout his career, Um, even though he's 40% since starting. I mean, I think he was like in the teens shooting before that, like 15% or something like that. So. We'll see if he can keep it up, uh, but it's a good story, and certainly they. Um, I I might have to <laughs> eat that one if he keeps it up, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I still feel very correct about D'Angelo Russell. Um, I still think that I just don't love what he brings to this team. He's just I. I don't see this team winning a championship with him on the roster. I'll say that. However, I do think that they likely will flip him by the deadline. So I think that that works in their benefit. They've got his contract with the Hachimura contract. They've got their two picks they can trade. We've got teams like the Bulls that are potentially maybe ready to blow it up with DeRozan, Caruso, Levine, all available. We've seen the Raptors. Maybe they make Siakam available. I don't know if that's enough uh, to get Siakam. I don't know if Siakam's even a good fit, but just throwing some names out there. Um, that There are moves to be had. And... I think that they've got a puncher's chance. I've been relatively lower on the Lakers than consensus. Not to say I was low. Um, I think I said coming into the year, I think I could see them making the Western Conference Finals again. I don't know if I saw them as a finals contender, but right now, I mean, they look about as good as anybody in the West. I still think Denver is a really tough matchup for them because the one guy that can kind of neutralize Davis defensively is Jokic. We've seen Jokic just go off against him, and he just hasn't been able to guard him, and it's kind of minimized his uh, ability to affect the game defensively uh, otherwise as well as a rim protector just because he's got to put so much focus and energy into guarding Jokic. And, yeah, I mean, they they, they swept him last year. They beat him already this year. I just I need to see it before I would consider putting them ahead of the Nuggets. But outside of the Nuggets – I mean, it's hard to argue that they shouldn't be the the next in line in the West. Um, I had Phoenix ahead them come ahead of them coming into the year. If you'd asked me a week ago, I probably still would have said Phoenix. But I think right now you'd have to put the Lakers ahead of them just because we saw this team make a Western Conference Finals. We saw them just win the in season tournament. We've um, seen them be able to make mid season moves last year to bolster their rotation. I think that there's a really, really good chance they do that again this year. And then there's just a lot of other question marks in the West right now. I mean the Warriors are way worse than people thought they would be. The Suns are have been inconsistent, but they just haven't been healthy. So we don't even really know what they look like. Their defense hasn't been great. Uh, which is definitely concerning. And if they don't get some reps with their top three guys pretty soon, it's gonna start to be definitely concerning. Um, Timberwolves, Thunder, good stories. Not sure they're ready quite yet, in my opinion. Um, but they're they'll they'll be fun frisky teams. But I'm I'm personally would pick the Lakers over um, any of those younger kind of up and coming teams. And we saw them beat the Warriors easily easily last year. I don't think Dallas is beating this team. I think Phoenix has a chance. But again, we just need to see that first before we could definitively say that. So it might sound funny, but I feel like the Lakers like are might beat the Suns, but I think the Suns have a better chance of beating Denver, if that makes sense. Just because I think Phoenix could literally just outscore Denver in a in a series, whereas the Lakers are definitely not doing that. So if they can't stop them, then there's basically no chance that they have to beat them. However, the size um, and the trapping of Booker that they did um, when they played in the uh, quarterfinals for the in-season tournament, it bothered him. That was maybe his worst game of the year outside of the game he got injured when he um, was like 2 for 12 or something versus Toronto. But outside that, that was pretty much the worst I'd seen him in terms of just being sloppy with the ball. I think he had seven turnovers or something like that. Um, and, yeah, they gave him some trouble. And KD played well, and it still wasn't enough. So we'll see um, what comes of that. But, yeah, Lakers are trending up, obviously. Um, and LeBron is just – a a historical anomaly. I, I simply just, we got to seriously sit back and appreciate it because the guy is just, we're not going to see anything like this maybe ever again, but at least not for 
decades. I mean, it's absurd. And he's still one of the best in the whole league to do it. And he's still going strong. So, yeah. On the Pacer side of things. So this was a really fun opportunity for them. um, And specifically for Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, this was sort of his coming out party and putting Indiana on the map, at least as a team that you can't just um, overlook when you see him up next on the schedule. So normally... I'm the type to be pretty hesitant to vault young guys up higher than they should be. Uh, I've been on record saying that I feel like uh, SGA has been kind of romanticized a little too much by the media. I mean, he's and look, so he's fallen it up this year, so I'm kind of conceding there. But like last year, he people were putting this guy in the top ten already, and I'm like, he's never. He's made the playoffs two times, both times as a at best complimentary role player. He's I think his career average is like 14, 15 points per game in the playoffs. So clearly that he's not that guy. Um not the guy that he was back then is what I'm saying. And so I just want to see it. I want to see him bring a winning team where he's the guy, because we haven't seen that. So I, I just was hesitant to, to put him up too high. However, Halliburton, I am <laughs> I'm already there. I think I literally think he's a top ten player. He is absurd right now. I mean, there, there's just the eye test, the stats, the the <laughs> the highlight plays. I mean, there's it's remarkable. He's like a video game, legitimately. And and I think honestly, like I would guys that would take over him right now probably Jokic, Giannis, Steph, Luca, Embiid, Tatum, Booker, Durant, and then that I might have him slotted next. Maybe I would take LeBron over him. It depends the context. In a big game, I'll obviously take LeBron. But over the span of a whole season, I might take Halliburton, just given the age and durability issues that we've seen with LeBron. So that would put Halliburton in the 9-10 to 10 range, and I don't think it's crazy. I mean, how could you watch these games and not think he's one of the 10 best, most impactful, talented guys in this league right now? He literally has no offensive weakness. He is Steve Nash on steroids, who was a two-time MVP and pretty much revolutionized the <laughs> offensive game for a few years in Phoenix back in his prime. I mean, he's a 50-40-90 guy that's over 25 points a game. He's 12 assists a game, only two turnovers. There's only one player in NBA history that's averaged 10-plus assists with less turnovers than him. It's Muggsy Bogues um, back in the 90s. But outside of that, that's it. He's the <laughs> least turnover-prone double-digit assists guy we've seen outside of uh, Bogues in the history of the NBA. And honestly, I don't know if we've ever seen a combination of just the dominant playmaking, passing, just like controlling of the offensive game and the game as a whole with the infrequent turnovers, the absolutely elite shooting. I mean, he's shooting like 45% from three on massive volume, which is like that's literally Steph Curry numbers. Um, and then you add in that shooting with his playmaking, with his quickness. I mean, he's just one of the fastest guys out on the court, and he's got legit size. I mean, like it's not like he's uh, Luca at point guard, but he's like people have compared him to Chris Paul. But I'm like, he's six five, dude. He's le- he's a legit six five. Like he he's big enough to be a two guard, really. So um, he's big, he's quick, he's can score like whenever he wants. He's I mean, seriously, one of the best shooters in the league. He never turns the ball over. He's probably the best playmaker outside of maybe LeBron that we have in the league right now. Um, so I, I <laughs> I'm i there on Halliburton. I was already high on him coming into the year. I mean, I had him ranked 20th in my player rankings coming into this season, um, which probably was pretty high. I don't think a lot of people would have had him top 20 um, based on just what he did last year. But I read about this team, Indiana and Halliburton as a whole, um, in my preseason uh, previews for all the teams. And, I mean, last year in early, mid-January, the Pacers were 23-18. and 18. I mean, they were basically doing what they're doing this year, last year. They were the five seed in the East. They just won eight out of ten games. Um, but then Halliburton got hurt, and it completely threw them off. I mean, they went 2-16 and 16 in their next 18 games. Um after Halliburton got hurt. So that dropped them all the way down to the 12th seed, and they were basically knocked out of playoff contention. But regardless of them sort of limping to the finish line, I mean, they were way ahead of schedule last year. So there's not, this really shouldn't be a huge surprise because Halliburton is 
was great last year, but he's even better this year. Um, and the supporting cast has looked way better as well, and they've got some better pieces. Um, it, I mean, I've really, really liked what I've seen out of uh, Aaron Neesmith. That was a guy that I kind of had written off. I didn't like him when he was in Boston. He was came in as supposed to be some spot-up shooter, but then wasn't shooting the ball very well. <laughs> uh, it was kind of the one thing that he was supposed to be good at, and now he's shooting great. He's in the mid-40s. Um, he's been efficient from the field. I really liked his def- defensive effort uh, throughout this whole tournament. I mean, they had him guarding like Giannis at some points. Um, not that he should be expected to be able to guard Giannis, but uh, just the fact that they trust him in those situations says a lot. Um, I've always I've been a Mathurin fan since he, he came out of college. I picked him to be a potential all-star uh, once he was drafted. He obviously got off up to a little bit of a slow start this year, but I still really like him as a guy that could be a 18 to 20 point per game scorer. Um, he projects as a good shooter. He gets to the free throw line uh, at a, a really impressive rate, especially last year as a rookie. Um, and he, he can just a second shot creator for this team and a, a nice little compliment to Halliburton. Um, but then they've also got guys they can move. I mean, they got Buddy Heal, TJ McConnell, uh, Miles Turner, even if they want to, they have all their picks. Um, as well as one additional first this year, I believe, as well. Um, so the, the, it's been reported they might seriously go and <laughs> try to make moves and compete this year. And I don't blame them, man. I think they're here to stay. I think they're. I don't think they're contenders this year, but they are going to be really good way sooner than I think people had anticipated. And it's really just because Halliburton is that good. I mean, he's one of those guys that's going to be like a guaranteed 45 to 50 wins every single season as long as he stays healthy um, and there's at least a somewhat competent supporting cast next to him. There's really not a lot of guys out there that are like that. It's probably just like Jokic, um, maybe LeBron if he's fully healthy, and then uh, um, Luka. I, I would have said that about Luka, but then last year he, he couldn't even do that. Maybe Embiid as well. Um, but regardless, they've got some work to do still. Um, like I said, they're not full contenders. They are the number one offense in the NBA, but they are also – the second worst defense in the NBA, one of the worst defensive teams, not only this year, but of all time. (laughs) Um, And they're just a mess on that end. But that's kind of led to some really inconsistent play thus far. I mean, they've beaten the Cavs twice. They've beaten the Bucks twice. They've beaten the Sixers. They've beaten the Heat. They've beaten the Celtics now. But they've also lost to the Bulls at home. They lost to the Hornets at home. They lost to the Blazers at home. They've got some terrible losses. They scored 139 times, including two times of the 150 or more, but then they've also given up 135 times, <laughs> and they've also given up 150 twice. There's been four games with 150 or more scored in a game this year, and all four were the Pacers. Two were them, and two were their opponents. So They've been a little bit of a roller coaster, um, and it's really just because they're defense. So they really need to add defense, but also just some size. Turner is a good rim protector, but he is not much else defensively. I mean, he's not versatile. He can't guard smaller guys. Um, He's also not great at guarding like dominant bigs, like uh, Embiid, for example. Um, And his rim protector, rim protecting is (laughs) still only led to the second worst defense in the NBA. So if he was really a true defensive anchor, I think they'd be able to be a little bit better than that. But yeah. Um, But then outside of him, I mean, they're, this is a small team. Um, Obi Toppin is their starting power forward, but he just can't guard guys like LeBron and Giannis consistently. I mean, like I said, they had Neesmith guarding Giannis at times. Bruce Brown's been guarding much bigger players as well. So I think they'd really benefit from adding a big uh, wing. I know they've been linked to OG Ananobi and uh, Pascal Siakam in Toronto. If they ever finally decide to trade either of those guys, I think they'd both be really good fits. Um I think OG would massively help their defense, but Siakam's a better fit offensively. He's kind of a just bet much, much, much better Obi Toppin. Um, but I don't know how much better they get defensively with Siakam. But regardless, I, I would really love to see them trade for one of those guys because I, I also think since they're expiring contracts, they're not going to have to sell the farm of picks, um, and they probably won't have to include like a Matherin. They might have to give up like a Neesmith or something like that, but I think that if you're getting a guy like Siakam who's made multiple all NBA teams over the past three, four years, I think it might be worth it. Um, just be, as long as they can re-sign him, um, uh, because then you still got pieces, um, to add and moves to make. And you've got a, like I said, a legit top 10 guy. Um, so <laughs> that's really what you need. That's the, the missing piece for a lot of these teams that we see not able to get over the hump, a team like Cleveland, 
it's like Donovan Mitchell's great, but he's just not quite there. Uh, team like the Knicks, I mean, Brunson and Randall are just never going to be there, even close to that. Um, even a guy like, uh, or with the Hawks, Trey Young, he's just not like it, the the teams that cannot get over that hump are the same teams that just they're they just don't have the top ten talent. But the Pacers do, and Halliburton's super young, and they signed him to a big extension, so. They're going to be really good for a really long time. I also really like Rick Carlisle as a coach. Um, he obviously won a championship with Dallas, but um, I think they're just in a really good spot, and they might even make a little bit of noise this year. Um, I don't think they're going to be Boston or Milwaukee in a, a seven-game series, but I think they can make it interesting with Philly. I think they can make it interesting with Miami uh, some of the other teams in the East. But um, just really awesome that the in-season tournament was able to put Halliburton and other guys just kind of on that bigger stage. I mean, they said that Halliburton had never even played a TNT game before, which is pretty hilarious. It's like easily the biggest game of most of their careers, if not all of them. Um, and they stepped up. I mean, even in the last game, Halliburton seemingly didn't play great, but he still had 20 and 10 <laughs> and he uh, shot above 50%. So even in his like not great games, he's um, still plays well. So yeah, uh, Future is definitely bright in Indiana, and the present also might be bright, honestly. So now just talking about some of the other teams that did make the tournament. Um, the Pelicans, they just got absolutely destroyed by the Lakers. That was really a <laughs> uh, tough performance by them. They just did not show up at all, um, and there's a lot of talk about Zion and how he just looks completely out of shape. He looks overweight. People are saying that he can't even sprint down the floor. He looks like a total shell of himself. And I, and I will say, I went back and looked at some of the, his highlights at Duke that were um, surfacing on Twitter recently. And he's not the same guy. I mean, there's just on multiple accounts. I mean, just the, the athleticism, the passion that he played with the like effort. I mean, he just is like, playing as hard as he absolutely can on every single play sprinting up and down the court the just (laughs) I mean I don't have to you guys know the the type of highlight plays this guy had blocking a three-pointer when he was on the other side of the the paint (laughs) when the guy caught the ball I mean the 360 dunk in transition he's he really did it all and he was just a total freak and now he's still a good player I mean don't get me wrong he's um still averaging 22 and six and uh, almost five assists. Um, but those are, that's career low in points, career low in rebounds, uh, career low in field goal percentage. So he has, his numbers are down across the board. I mean, even uh, hasn't shot the ball well from the free throw line worse than last year. And the biggest notice, uh, the biggest place to notice all this is defensively. He's just, he's terrible on defense. I mean, before he was like, not a phenomenal defender, but at least could like get some blocks, make some highlight plays. Um, he's not even really doing that stuff anymore. He's down to 0.3 blocks a game this year, which is just like a guy of his athleticism and size, like should be able to do a little bit more than that. Um, but he's got a career where his defensive rating, um, his defensive win shares are below pace for what they should be. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a total liability on that and he can't guard bigger guys cause they're, his advantage is his strength and a lot of them just are as strong as him. Um, and he can't, he's not quick enough to stay with the smaller guys anymore. Um, he doesn't have good like anticipation as good of as, as good, uh, anticipation as he used to have. Um, and I'm just, I'm concerned for him because the health thing has obviously already been a big issue. He's played 19 games so far, which is encouraging. Um, (laughs) he's only 10 off at the second most of his career at this point. (laughs) But again, the point is just that he, he looks like he lost a step. And when you're 23 years old, you should not look like you lost a step. You should be gaining a step or keeping your step and getting better at other aspects of your game. It just doesn't feel like he's gotten better at anything. And it doesn't feel like he's physically in the same place that he was even just like early season last year when he was, had the Pelicans and as the one seed in the Western conference early last season. So the other thing that's weird with the the Pelicans is they've got like almost too many guys. Like I really like their bench. It's funny. Or just like some of their uh ancillary players. Like it, it the the Pelicans actually have a worse 
um, net rating with Zion. They're minus 1.3 when he's um, on the court and uh, plus 0.9 when he's off the court. So the Pelicans have been better with Zion off the court um, and better with their bench guys. Like I really, really like uh, Trey Murphy. I think he is uh, going to be super good. I mean, he's, he's already a really, really solid role player. We know he's an elite shooter. Um, he's looked good since coming back from his injury. But he had a really good season last year. He can do a little bit more than shoot, too. And he's um, advertised as a pretty good defender as well. He hasn't been necessarily great this year. The stats don't say. But um, I think he's got the potential there. And he's still super young. Dyson Jan- Daniels is also another guy that I really like. Um, his stats are not great. It's like 40% from the field, 24% from three. But he's super young, and he's just kind of one of those do-it-all guys. He's a good defender. He's got size. He's a good. He was playing point guard for this team when C.J. McCollum was out. Um, so he's a good passer, playmaker, ball handler, um, good rebounder. He's kind of like a um, another Josh Giddy of sorts, um, just in the way that he can handle the ball, playmake, for, even though he's like 6'7", 6'8" and is a, a really good defender as well. And actually, if you look at the best five-man lineups the Pelicans have, he's six of their best eight uh, five-man lineups in terms of net rating have Dan- Dyson Daniels in them. So they've been really good when he's played, and they've actually been a little better when he's played than when the, the full group has been together with like McCollum, um, Ingram, Zion, and Valanciunas. Jordan Hawkins has also looked really good. I was not a huge Hawkins guy coming in out of with him coming out of UConn. But he's <laughs> he's certainly not uh, certainly not shy. I'll say that he's he's been jacking jacking him up from three. Um, and honestly, I mean, he's been pretty good for them. <laughs> They've relied on him probably way more than I would have thought. Um, he's been thirty seven percent from three point range on seven attempts, but not good overall. I mean, thirty nine percent from the field. So, but regardless, um, and then Herb Jones has been. Very solid. We know what we're getting out of him. Um, I still really, I still like Ingram as a player. I know he's been kind of a up and down guy for a lot of people. Um, he's gotten much better as a playmaker and passer. He's still an efficient half court scorer um, and can knock down from outside as well. But the fit with him and Zion still, there's always been question marks because both of them have been so hurt that it's just hard to know if they. Um, like work well together it looks clunky at times so I don't really know what this team does just because I really like a lot of their young players but their star players are almost like the issues here and with Zion I mean I've been a big Zion defender big Zion believer over the years because he's been so truly dominant when he's played but it's it's not look not trending in the right direction I will say that um (laughs) I had him top I think I had him 19th in my player rankings. Certainly would move him down now um, just because of how much of a liability on defense he is. And he just doesn't have the same explosion and dominance that he had on offense. Not, not to, He's still a good player, though. Don't get me wrong. I, don't, I think a lot of this stuff's a little overblown. Like, the guy's still averaging 22 points per game on 57% from the field. Like, <laughs> there's not a lot of guys that can do that. So... But um, hopefully he can <laughs> get into better shape soon, though. So now moving over to the other lot team that lost in the semifinals, the Milwaukee Bucks. They have taken a lot of heat thus far this year, even though they are fifteen and seven. Um, I mean, they, <laughs> the record speaks for itself. They've been they've been really solid overall. They have the third best offensive rating, but the twenty third best defensive rating, and that's really been where people have been uh, shitting on them. Is their their defense is just bad. And it, it, it was totally exposed in the, in this tournament as well. A guy like Halliburton is like, this team's absolute worst nightmare. Um, I mean, the, their best chance is throwing Malik Beasley at him. And, he, I mean, he's just, he's never been a good defender. And the idea that now he's taking on a 3 and D role with this team, he, he's not particularly big. He doesn't stay in front of guys well. He's not the most athletic guy. He's a good three-point shooter, but that's about it. Um, and if he's your point of attack defender that you're relying on most, that's definitely an issue. Um, Dame also is just a total zero on defense, if not, I mean, worse than a zero, honestly, a negative defensively. So they're really going to struggle to stop teams like Indiana who have um, quick, athletic, um, dynamic guards. Um, thankfully for them, there's not like a ton of those in the East necessarily. Most of them are in the West, like, 
Booker, SGA, Fox, um, even Steph. Like, so in the in the East, I mean, Maxie's probably going to give him a lot of trouble. Um, we know Halliburton clearly did, um, but I'm not really worried as much about the personnel with Milwaukee as. And I've said this in the past. I am not an Adrian Griffin fan at all. Um, like I said, I know the record's been fine, but people would shit on Bootenholzer for years for not making adjustments um, mid-game or mid-series. And Griffin has done literally the same thing. I mean, he, he what he threw out a little bit of a zone in one of the games, and then it w- went terribly, and then what? <laughs> I mean, they've just been running the same like ineffective defensive schemes since he got there. Um, they're playing aggressive, and they just don't have the, the personnel for that. I mean, I know that people wanted them to stop playing drop coverage, but that's probably what this team is best suited for, given the personnel without the true holidays of the world on this team. Even a guy like Grayson Allen, like, is he a great defender? No, but he's he's fine. He gives you more than, <laughs> than Malik Beasley does. Probably better on that end than Pat Connaughton. Jay Crowder, who knows at this point he's injured and... Um, has looked a little bit of a step slow since getting to Milwaukee. He wasn't even in the playoff rotation last year. Um, and then there's just some weird stuff on offense too. I know they're third rank, but like all summer we salivated over the Damian Lillard, Giannis uh, pick and roll. Like <laughs> that was like the one thing I knew. I said it too. Everyone was like, it's going to be amazing because Giannis has never had a pick and roll ball handler as good as Dame. Dame's never had a pick and roll um partner as good as Giannis so it was like a match made in heaven but they just haven't run that many pick and rolls that it's just not really it just really hasn't been part of their offense um I saw a stat a little bit of, um a few weeks ago that was like they're not even in the top like 30 or 40 in terms of um pick and roll pairings and number of pick and rolls so like I don't I it's been just questionable coaching stuff all around um Dame is just doesn't feel like he's been utilized as well as he could. He hasn't shot the ball as well as he has throughout most of his career. I'm sure some of that is just an adjustment period with him getting more used to things. Um, and he has been very good in clutch situations. Um, he's the betting favor right now for clutch player of the year, actually. So that aspect. And, and to me, the, the thing is, that's why they're 15 and 7. Um, their point differential would suggest that they should have a worse record. Their expected win losses. 13 and 9 but the reason they've been able to squeak out some close games is because that extra element that Dame has added um so on that front the trade has been a big win they're winning a lot of games that I'm not sure they would have won last year if they had Drew Holiday um as well just in terms of their offensive execution but I haven't loved the offensive sets I haven't loved the defensive schemes and it it comes down to coaching um Middleton just still has been on his minutes restriction. He's looked pretty good offensively. I mean, he's 47% from the field, 38% from three, 12 points, four rebounds, four assists. Considering he's only playing 22 minutes a game, those are pretty good numbers. So um, defensively, he's still he's definitely not the same guy, though. So that kind of goes back to that point of their personnel isn't great and the schemes they're playing aren't matching it. So um, I'm kind of... I'm playing both sides a little bit with Milwaukee. I think people shouldn't freak out too much um, with their defensive numbers because they are 15-7 and and they've got time to kind of right the ship there. However, I do think that if they don't make start making more adjustments in some of these games, then it's going to start to... um, They're going to get more exposed on that end, even though they have been pretty exposed at this point. Um, So we'll see. It's been a weird year um, for them. Bobby Portis was reportedly calling out the coaching staff in the locker room after their loss to the Pacers in this in-season tournament, um, which makes me question, do they have good, like, Dame's not going to come in and, like, be the le- the leader right away because this team's already kind of been intact. It seems like Giannis is almost a little checked out at times, which is really weird considering that I'm sure he was on board for this trade and he signed the extension. So I don't know. And Adrian Griffin was his guy. That was kind of the perception as to why they hired him so quickly was because Giannis really liked him. And um, so I, who knows? Um, but they need to get better defensively. They don't really have many assets to improve. So it might have to come internally, which to me, again, will just lead back to coaching. So um, rookie head coach, you never quite know how it's going to play out, but we'll see. And then I do want to talk I'll talk super quick about um, Celtics and uh, Suns just because they were in the in-season tournament as well. And 
I do think that there was stuff to take away from those games that they had. Um, the Celtics side, for me, really the biggest thing is that without Porzingis, this team is not good enough to win a championship. Um, they just aren't. I mean, he they, they suddenly then look like a pretty small team. They're a pretty um, thin team in terms of just not being deep. Their offense, everyone moves up a, a slot in the pecking order. Offensively, they're relying more on Jalen Brown, which has <laughs> he's hot and cold. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Um, Drew Holiday has been like very solid for this team, but not as consistently offensively as a scorer as he was in Milwaukee. Um, and then w- without Porzingis, I mean, you got Al Horford, and then it gets really thin in the uh, front court after that. And I just don't see how they're going to win four playoff series without him. So I, I'm, he's supposed to be back soon. So I, it's not like his injury is super long term. But it's just an observation to say that their margin for error in terms of injuries might be pretty um, small, specifically with him. I think they could overcome a holiday or white injury because those guys are at least somewhat redundant. Obviously, if a Tatum gets hurt, then the season is not going to go anywhere. But I just mean that that was very, very clear. They just don't look like the same team without him. He had so much offensively in terms of just a pick-and-pop threat, a guy you have to... Um, take that extra step out to guard. Um, and then even defensively, I mean, he is a good rim protector. He gives them size. When they play him in Horford, they're one of the biggest teams in the league. Um, but without him, they're <laughs> one of the smaller teams in the league because then Tatum shifts down to the four, and um, you're playing mostly guards next to them as well. So, um, And then on the Sun side of things, Bradley Beal is reportedly coming back this week, but it's certainly it's been a roller coaster for this team. Um it's it's one of those where it's like it's really hard to judge. Like you can't say they're bad because they haven't had their guys, but it's like at what point are we just like it's mid-December and we haven't seen them play one single game together, the three of them. So it's concerning. They're, I'm not at all. Uh, I know I, early in the season I was on the, oh, it's okay, like just wait till they get healthy. But if they're never healthy, then <laughs> that's a problem in itself. But – their defense also has not been great, to be honest. They're in the bottom half of the league. Um, I also think that they're really thin on the front court. Like So if, if Nurkic were to get hurt, Eubanks has given them some decent minutes as a backup center, but he's one of those guys that like you kind of know in the first three minutes if it's going to be a good Eubanks game or a bad Eubanks game, and when it's a bad one, it, it's tough. And then after him, I mean – the bull bull signing is looking worse and worse and worse because that guy cannot play big minutes in a playoff series. And he's barely played at all this year. And so like last year when they had like uh Biombo as their third center, that was like, <laughs> I'd way rather them have Biombo right now, just in terms of just a body and size. Cause I don't know what bull 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 is going to bring. Um, Nurkic has actually been pretty good after a slow start uh, on both ends. Honestly, he's been fine. Not really the issue, but they just have not had continuity. They have not had their guys healthy. They're defensively have been inconsistent. Um, and the Lakers gave him some real trouble. Like I said earlier, Booker was getting trapped, and it was um, it didn't look good. So I, I'm sure having Beal will help with some of that, um, and they can uh, hopefully rest some of these guys a little more. They've had to play uh, Booker and Durant some big minutes in some games just because they had to stagger them and or only one of them was playing. So... Um, and the minutes without those guys have been terrible. But Booker and Durant have both been phenomenal this year. So if Beal comes back, takes a little bit of pressure off them, um, then we'll see. But as I said earlier, I think that it's it's pretty – it's a tough argument right now to put them ahead of the Lakers. But um, I think outside of them, they got a pretty good chance to um, work their way into that tier once the season goes along a little bit more. So now I want to just talk about the in-season tournament as a whole. I was – pretty skeptical at first just in terms of it being a good idea because I was like I don't understand why the players are going to care more just because the different incentives thrown around so people were saying like maybe the team should get an extra draft pick at the end of the lottery and it's like well what if a guy is a free agent on a team at the end of the year why does he care at all if the team in fact if he knows he's not going to leave then he might not even want that team to get a pick because it might be a team he's going against next year. And then people talked about the automatic play-in spot potentially. 
Um, I think some people thought maybe that's not exactly fair. Um, if like a team that wins 20 games still gets the right to do that. Of course, it probably wouldn't happen where a team that bad ends up winning it, but you never know. Um, they settled on the $500,000, which again to me felt kind of like why would a lot of the star players care about that? I mean, these guys are making, the top guys are making like $50 million, So what is that, like <laughs> 1, 1% of their salary or something like that? But it seems like that was enough of an incentive. The, the game certainly felt a little bit more important, even the, the pool play ones. Um, the knockout round, certainly the guys uh, played harder. There was some ramped up intensity without a doubt. So I think overall it was a, a huge success just in terms of it being the first one. Uh, it was really fun to see. Uh, those guys go at it in a one game elimination type situation. It's really just never happened in the NBA, obviously other than like a game seven, but at that point you've already played the team six times. So it's a little bit different. And then the only things I would really change probably are that um, I feel like they should do all of the pool play games consecutively, like just block off a week and a half in the season to do pool play. Because it felt a little clunky to me to do the, like, only Tuesdays and Fridays. And then, like, there was, like, a game. There was teams that would, like, like the Suns and Jazz played once on a Friday and once on a Sunday. Like, back-to-back games, basically. Um, And one game mattered and one game didn't. And it's like, well, (laughs) the same thing happened with uh, Indiana and the Sixers. Like, the Sixers beat Indiana on like a, a Wednesday and then they played on a Friday and um, the Indiana won. So it's like <laughs> not really fair necessarily to be like, oh, well, this game matters more than this one, even though we just played two games. So I don't know. I think it would be better if it was all just blocked off in a one in a fixed amount of time because then it eliminates some of that. It also just gets you more excited for that week. Um and it's less confusing to the, the casual fan. I'm sure some people were like, oh, I'm going to tune in, but it, I don't know when the games are. It would just be easier if you just blocked it off. Um, so that would probably be my first piece of feedback for them. Um, other than that, I mean, I think there was some talk about the pool play and, like, I know that they did um, six groups of five. Some people were saying they should do five groups of six. Um some people were saying that you should make the um, pools by division. So I'm open to either of those. I have no real preference on who uh, is in each pool and how they do that. I think the way they did it with the standings is fine. But I also think the the division thing could be cool, adds a little bit more meaning to it. But then it gets a little bit more unfair, like a team or like the Pacific division has the Lakers, Clippers, Suns, Kings, and Warriors. Like, that's a stacked division versus, like, a division with, like, the Rockets, Grizzlies, Spurs, Mavs, and Pelicans. So it's it could be a little bit more unfair if they did it that way. But uh, in terms of the number of pools, again, no real preference there. I think, as, I think you obviously have to do 8 or 16 – total that make the knockout round 16 might be a little much. Um, but I kind of liked the eight, but then there was discussion about the whole point differential. And if that was stupid, I know some of the players didn't like that. Some of the coaches were getting mad. I, I don't really care about them getting mad about it. I'm like, just don't go down by 25 then, you know, it's <laughs> like, sorry, if you don't want them to run the score up, then maybe play better. So I, I have no issue with the point differential thing. I think the pro of doing uh, five groups of six is that you add an extra game. So then you have five games instead of four games because there was like a ton of three and one teams that were all tied for the like wild card spots. And then it does come down to the point differential. So if you had one extra game, maybe that matters less. Um, So maybe that is one pro for that. Um, Obviously point differential is, can be a little unfair, but, Again, I, I'm not really sure what other kind of tiebreaker you want to do. Maybe you want to just do who is the better record of this season. That could be fair, maybe because you just want the best teams in and incentivize them, incentivize teams to play well outside of that as well. But overall, huge success. Seriously, I mean, it was 
it was just really cool how we got to see like the two differing versions of this where you're like, oh my God, the Pacers up and coming team, Halliburton coming out party. And then on the other side, you're like, oh my God, this is so cool. LeBron going to add another thing to his um, resume. So um, those are really the two scenarios where this becomes the most cool. And we got kind of both of them. Um, even though the Pacers didn't win, they put themselves on the map, which is really all they could have asked for. Um, although it probably will be fun in the future when they're, if we got like a Celtics nuggets where both teams were healthy, like that would have been really cool, like a potential finals preview. But, but regardless, uh, huge success. I think it's, it was better than I personally thought it was going to be. I think they did a really good job pulling it off. I still think there's some tweaks they can make, but I think that they're open to those tweaks. Um, it sounded like at least so. Um, if they do those, then I think it's going to continue to get better and it'll just be a cool thing that we have, uh, in the NBA now. And definitely probably by far the number one thing that it did is made people care about December basketball, which has been an issue, um, when people kind of tune out a little bit, uh, once we hit that quarter mark of the season or whatnot. So, uh, just cause football's still going on and people are paying more attention to that. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Sean Jones NBA show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Now that the in-season tournament is over, we're going to have some, might be a little lull in the season. We'll see. This is typically the type of year when that stuff does happen. But obviously Christmas Day is a big day for the NBA, so we'll get some fun matchups then. So um, I will... at the very latest, uh, have another episode up uh, right after the new year, but might try to do another one uh, before the holidays. Um, but thank you so much for listening, um, and I will chat with you soon.